Um, if, if you're new here, we don't, we don't always act like this. This is, our t- this is a party. This is our 10-year celebration. We have balloons and stuff. Like, I mean, we do kind of act like this, but um, it is a little more today. Um, all right, I'm going to get into some word. And the, the truth is, all of the other stuff that we do is, is, is just peripheral to what I'm about to do. Uh, this is the meat, right? There's, there's soda and there's, there's, uh, you know, there's coffee and there's donut holes, but I'm about to give you the meat. Um, I'm going to give you uh, more scripture today than you've probably, many of you have read all month. Okay. Don't raise your hand. Um, but I want to read to you from, uh, from, from the book of Daniel and just hang with me. Okay. Cause there's a lot of text in here, but it's, it's powerful. And, uh, you'll, you'll see where we're going in just a minute. Here we go. Uh, Daniel chapter three, verse one, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold about 90 feet high and about nine feet wide. And he set it up on the plain of Dura, this very, uh, barren plain. So you could see this 90 foot golden statue glimmering in the sun in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of this image that he had set up. All the important people in the land. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and people of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and the pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and people of every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. So they're telling the king, remember, remember that thing? You, you, made that, you made that command, right? Right. And then you said, whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace, right? Right, right. But there are some Jews, they said, whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they pay no attention to you, O king. They don't serve your gods. They don't worship the image of gold you set up. You told them what was going to happen, and they didn't do it. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? I love how right, right here he doesn't even give them a chance to answer. Is that true that you did not worship the image of gold I set up? Now, When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. Everything's going to be fine. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then, I love this question, then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? I told you I was going to read you some long passages of scripture today. You guys getting your word today? You're getting some nourishment? Here we go. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able. Somebody say is able. able. God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And the God we serve will deliver us. Somebody say will deliver. 
will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, Somebody say, even if he doesn't. Even if he he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods and we will not worship the image of gold that you have set up. Just to put a little fine point on it. We want you to know that. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and his attitude toward them changed. And he ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. And he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie them up and to throw them into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men firmly tied fell into the blazing furnace. Today, I want to speak for just a few moments on the subject, keeping the faith while feeling the heat. Keeping the faith while feeling the heat. Okay, let's pray. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time. I just ask that for the next few moments, we would concentrate on you. We would, we would, we would filter out all other thoughts and concerns and worries and distractions, and that we would just focus on your word and that we would open our hearts to receive your word because we know that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword and it gets into the heart and it divides asunder even between the bone and the marrow. The bad stuff it throws out and the good stuff it nourishes. And so God, I just pray that our hearts would be open like, like good soil for the seed of your word to drop in, take root and flourish and grow. And we thank you for this. We praise you. We honor you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So every time we have a church anniversary, I get like uh, nostalgic about the early days. So, you know, we're only 10 years old, so it's still kind of early, okay? But I get nostalgic ab- about the, the beginning and the launch of One Family Church and, and, and you know, how it all started. And so just for a moment, I want to see by a show of hands, and even at Shaw, do this, do this. If, this. if you were here during the first year of One Family Church, would you just raise your hand so we can see you? First year, okay, awesome. There are a bunch of you. All right, cool, awesome. At Shaw, raise your hands and be recognized. If you're online, just do something else. Give us a thumbs up or somehow. Um, yeah, we, we, um, we, were, we were brand new, 2011. Uh, we, we had, um, we had, I had this desire and my wife shared this desire to plant a church. Um, but I don't, I don't want to make a comparison to planting a church in 2011 in St. Louis to being thrown into a fiery furnace 2,600 years ago in Babylon. But there are some similarities, okay? Um, <laughs> um, my, uh, my, my sisters are here today and their family, and they were, yeah, they were here on that very first day. Just, just so you know about the, you know, the, the depth of our launch team, um, they were visiting from Phoenix on the first day, and I recruited them to become the, the, the welcome team on that. They were handing out bulletins, and I'm like, who's going to do this next week? We don't know. We have no idea. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, my brother-in-law, Drew, is here, and some other friends of ours from Phoenix, Phil and Sandra West, they've all been cheering us on from Phoenix, Arizona all these years and have been a part of it, um, and I just wanted to say thank you guys. And um, I want to... I also want to acknowledge the co-founder of One Family Church, the woman behind the scenes, the one making it happen, Rebecca Rome, my wife. (laughs) 
Some of you know in the early days, she was the worship director. She was a children's ministry director, volunteer coordinator, aesthetic czar, uh, you know, basically every, every, everything else. Um, and I preached and not great at that time. Um, so uh, at the beginning, you know, you, you don't know how it's going to turn out. Like we were feeling the heat. Now, there wasn't, my, my, my life wasn't on the line, but we were feeling the heat because I felt in my heart God had called me to do this. And yet I didn't know how this thing was going to turn. I didn't know we were going to have a 10-year anniversary. I didn't know that. I didn't know if we'd have a one-year anniversary. I didn't know if we'd have a one-month anniversary. In fact, the, the week before, and I'm just, just let me wax nostalgic for a minute, okay? The week before we launched... We had a practice service right here in the Tivoli Theater. We had a practice service. So just our team, we had 11 people on the team. That was the entire congregation. And we got together and we're going to lead worship and we're going to do the whole thing. It's a practice service, right? But some people in the community, um, just a, a family, one family, it was a mom and two teenage daughters, were confused. They thought that church was opening that Sunday. So they, they came in and they were a week early during our practice service. So we said, well, you know, we're just going to do a practice service, so why don't you come, come on in anyway and just be in the service with us? So they came, and they sat, you know, about towards the back, and we went through the service. Rebecca led worship. She had never led worship before. We had a four-foot-by-eight-foot platform right here on stage, right there on the floor. We called it Old Misery because it weighed two tons, and a lot of people were crushed under the weight of it over the years. And, um, and, and that was what we had. So Rebecca led worship. Um, and then I preached and this was my first sermon. I had given a couple talks before in my life, but this was the first time I was actually going to preach a sermon to a congregation. And so, um, it was the, it was the week before it was our practice service. So I started preaching and really my, the whole congregation was just those three people, the mom and the two daughters right there. And then we had our launch team sitting over here and about, you know, 10 minutes into the sermon, uh, when I had the, the, the courage to look up, I look up, the mom's got like this thousand yard stare like this. Like she's clearly thinking about something else. And both of the teenage girls, I mean, are like, this is them. <laughs> like not nodding off. I mean, they were way pat. Nodding off was the first four minutes. By 10th minute, they were gone. And afterwards, one of the, um, one of our team members came to me and she was being encouraging. She's like, um, she's like, you know, I think it, I think it could be a good sermon. Um, (laughs) it's just going to need, it's just going to need some work over the next week. Um, another of our launch team, she was like, there's so many details, but she was like, she was like, it kind of felt like this is what she really said. It kind of felt a little bit like mashed potatoes. You know, like, it was just kind of like, you know, mashed potatoes. And I was like, okay, great. That's very encouraging. Awesome. So, um, so we didn't know. Okay, we didn't know. Um, I, I, was, I was feeling God call me to this, but I was, we, had just had a, we had just had our second baby. Uh, we had just bought our first house as a family. I had a, a job downtown that, that was a good job. And I was like, oh, um, and I'm wondering the whole time, am I, am I called to this or am I crazy, right? Am I, is this right, God? Are we, are we, are we doing this? Like, are we doing this? And I will tell you this, the, the first Sunday was encouraging because a lot of people came out, our friends, our family, our cousins, our great cousins, our third cousins, our 20th cousins, they all came out, right? But they all went home that week. 
So the second service was half the size of the first service. And the third service was about half that size. And the fourth service was about half that size. So we had a really steep growth curve. It was just going the wrong direction. <laughs> and, and I will tell you this. By January 1st, 2012, just a couple months into it, there were like 25 people in the house. I mean, it was just... And there's a moment... I mean, I'm just telling you, I'm just being straight. Like, there's a moment when you go, is this faith or is this just insanity? Like, do I need to go back to my boss at the firm and go, you know what? Forget about the church planting thing I was telling you about. I need, I need my job back, right? I, I will tell you this. Following God does not make you immune from adversity. Following God does not make you immune from difficulty and challenges. In fact, Jesus said this, in this world, you will have trouble. It's a guarantee. You will struggle. There will be hardships. There will be difficulties if you're following God and even if you're not following God. Some of our difficulties are going to arise like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because we're stepping into something that God has called us to do and there's an inherent challenge to that. There's an inherent fight in that. But sometimes we end up in a difficulty. We end up feeling the heat just because we're alive and we're human beings and there's suffering in the world. I talked to uh, somebody this week um, who has a family member who got a very, very severe diagnosis of of, of a rare form of cancer and is wondering how this is going to turn out. And I talked to the, to, to the person I was, I was talking to this week. I said, man, you are about to feel the heat. And in the heat, a couple things happen. The heat will either refine you or it will ruin you. Either way, it's going to reveal you. Somebody get with me on that. Because the heat is actually going to reveal what's there. It's either going to refine your faith or it's going to ruin your faith. It's going to destroy your... Either way, you're going to know in the fire what's happening inside of you right? I talked to somebody, uh, a, a college student a while back who started to feel so much anxiety and pressure at, at, at WashU, so much anxiety and pressure that they just started to shut down. The pressure was great. They were feeling the heat and we had the same conversation. It's either going to refine you or it's going to destroy you, but it's going to reveal you. So where are you in the faith? Where are you with God? What kind of a relationship do you have with God? The three Hebrew children were about to find out what kind of faith they had. They were about to feel the heat. And so my question for us today is this, because every single one of you is going to experience heat. You're going to experience you're going to experience suffering. You're going to experience pain. You're going to experience hardship. All of us are going to experience it. In fact, the reason we come to celebrate God is because we're celebrating his faithfulness to us in the hard times. That's why we come here, right? Because we go, God, you're great. And you were great when I was doing great. And you were great when I was not doing great. The question that I want to present to you today is how do you keep the faith while you're feeling the heat? Some of you are feeling the heat right now. Some of you are about to feel the heat. Some of you are just coming out of the furnace and you're going, oh, that was hot, right? But there will be another furnace. How do we keep the faith while we feel the heat? The the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is so beautiful because for me, it unlocks the key to this question. Let me take you back to that that very first thing that they say in that conversation. Remember in, in verse 17, They said this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the God we serve is able to deliver us. 
Say is able again. I want to push this into your spirit. The word is able in Hebrew is yakel. Yakel just means capable of, to be able, could, can. In other words, they're saying God could do it. God could do it. That's actually the first step in having faith is that you begin to understand God's capability. Somebody say capability. We need to understand the nature of the God that we serve. A lot of times in our life, God becomes so small in our mind that we forget how grand and powerful and mighty he is. We forget that he's the alpha and the omega. We forget that he's the beginning and the end. We don't remember how strong he is. And so we don't put our trust in him because we don't think about his capability. My son, uh, Augustine, my seven-year-old, is... If you guys met Augustine, he is like the sweetest kid ever. And one day we were out on our, on our one-on-one time. I think this is a picture. Of him. Yeah, that's Augustine. Me and Augustine, we, we're like, we like each other. We got a connection. And, and Augustine says to me, with those sweet little eyes, and now he's missing some teeth. You know, his teeth are coming out, so he kind of lisps, and it's real sweet. And he says, he says, Dad, this is what he said. He said, Dad, do you trust me? And I said, yes, son, I do trust you. I thought, man, what a sweet question. Yeah, I trust you, son. He goes, turn around. <laughs> so I said, okay. So he's here and I turned around. He goes, now fall back and I'll catch you. <laughs> this was kind of a tough spot for me. Because I wanted him to know, I trust, I trust who you are. I just don't trust your capability right now. I trust your intention. I trust your desire, right? Some of us trust God's desire, but we don't trust his capability. We don't think he's strong enough to catch us when we fall. We have minimized him down to this little creature. In our, he's like decoration for us. You know how some, for some folks, the sticker on the back of the car, is just decoration. The Jesus sticker, it's just decoration. It doesn't actually say, I really truly believe in the power of God, you know? Some of y'all, you know, like, I do this, and I'm just going to admit, because it's just us. In my office, there are some books that I've read, and there are some books that are just decoration. <laughs> so I don't know, I don't have the power of those books because I just got them in my... Some of y'all, that bag of salad in your refrigerator, that's just decoration. <laughs> You're just saying, if I were to eat it, then I would have the power of Popeye, but I'm not going to. A lot of times we don't, we don't respect God's power because it's just a thing in our background. We don't, we're not really saying, man, God, you're able. I trust your power. So if you're here today, if you're here today and you don't, you need a reminder. I'm just going to give you this real quick. This is not on the slide. Just real quick, a picture of what God is able to do. Romans 14, 4 says he is able to make you stand. Romans 16, 25, he is able to establish you. Jude 24, he is able to keep you from falling. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, he is able to make all grace abound toward you. 2 Timothy 1, 12, he is able to guard what you have entrusted to him. Acts 20, 32, he is able to build you up. Philippians 3, 21, he is able to bring everything under his control. Hebrews 7.25, he is able to save you completely. Ephesians 3.20, he is able 
to do above and beyond all that we ask or imagine according to the power that works within us. Let me just tell somebody here, because this might be the only point of the sermon that you need. God is able. He's able. But the Hebrew children take it a little deeper than that. We say the God we serve is able to deliver us. And then they said this, and he will deliver us. I am good with the is able. I a little struggle with the he will. Personally, this is a challenge for me. One says, I believe in God's capability. The second is, I believe in God's character. I, I believe that God is not just some abstract force intellectually out in the world that is strong and mighty and maybe he's the creator, but I actually believe that he loves me and wants to see me through the pain. He wants to see me through the fiery furnace. He not only can save me, but he will save me. I'm just going to tell you at the very beginning when we launched, getting ready to launch One Family Church, I believe God was able. I just didn't know that he would. And so, so I'll give you a quick example. We were looking for a place to meet. I've told some of you this already. We were looking for a place to meet. And I wanted to meet, I wanted to meet here in the Tivoli Theater because we live in New City and I've just, this is an iconic place. I thought, man, we should live, we should, we should worship there. But honestly, I'm going to tell you, I did not even think it was worth coming into this place to ask. I didn't have that kind of faith. I mean, abstractly, I was like, well, it could. God could do anything, right? But I didn't have the he will enough to do, to even ask. And so I went to every other public facility in University City. We did. We went everywhere else. We went to the public library. We went to the high school. We went to COCA. We went to all the churches up and down here. We went, I mean, we literally every public space. And for, for various reasons, they were not able to accommodate us during those times. We had no place to meet. And so finally, Rebecca and I are driving down the Del Mar Loop and we're driving by the Tivoli and I've got my little business plan, my little letter. And Rebecca says, it's not going to hurt to ask. And I'm like, I, well, it'll kind of hurt because it kind of hurts every time. <laughs> might not hurt you, but it kind of hurts me. So I go in and, and I hand him my little business thing. And this guy, Chris, he's a manager. He's got a real curly mustache and just one of those guys and just awesome guy. So I come in and I go, yeah, we want to try to meet in the church and sometime. Maybe we can meet here sometime. I don't know. Probably not, but maybe. And can I just tell you, Chris opens the letter. He reads my little letter and he goes, this looks great. We'll send over a contract on Monday. And I was like, right? When we were looking for a facility, we were outgrowing the Tivoli. We were looking for a facility. We were trying to make uh, an offer on a place and it fell through. Nothing, nothing was working out, right? I knew God could, but I didn't know he was able. We're in a staff meeting one day and Ernest Carter, a member of our team says, oh man, there's a building that's going to be available down in the Shaw neighborhood. And, you know, and I thought, well, that would be so cool because we got a lot of folks down at Shaw. We got a lot of people that live down there it would be so cool. Right. But I didn't really honestly believe that it would. Right. Well, a few months later, this, this, this is what happened down at Shaw. We ended up, that's Art Bollinger right there putting up that sign. Sorry, Art. I didn't, I didn't even notice that a little bit of your belly was showing there. Um, we're not looking at that anyway. People keep your eyes up here. Um, a few months later, we put together a launch team. Here you go. This is down at Shaw, man. And we launched One Family Church down in Shaw. God keeps showing us that he is not only able, but he's willing, right? I will just tell you this. On Monday of this week, on Monday of this week, 
uh, University City Council by a seven to zero vote approved our purchase of the Tivoli Theater. So, I just, I just want to say this. I was afraid to come in here and ask if we could use it for two hours a week on a Sunday. And God's like, dude, right? You can, you can own it. Y'all can have it, right? God is not only able, but he's willing. Sometimes we need to move from here to here. We need to go out of the abstraction of like, yeah, I know theoretically God is able to like, man, I believe God is going to be with me in the midst of this hardship. I trust him to be with me. I trust that he is going to see me through. That's, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said, man, we're, we're, we are with him because we think we know he can. And we actually are telling you that he will. But if you really want to have faith when you're feeling the heat, you got to go one layer deeper. Verse 18. But even if he does not, we know he can, we know he will, but even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. The first one is all about God's capability. The second one is all about God's character. The third one is about your commitment. The third one is about where are you with God? Not where God is with you. Where are you with God? Are you willing to go in when you don't know how that thing is going to turn out? Are you willing to press into God even when you're in the fiery furnace? Are you willing to open up your heart and trust in God even when you do not see a way out of your fiery furnace? Are you going to commit to God? Because the fiery furnace is either going to refine you or it's going to ruin you but it's going to reveal you and reveal you means I'm, I'm, I want to be like Shadrach. I want to be like, Hey, look, I trust that he can and I trust that he will. But I want to tell you, even if he does not, I am staying by him on uh, November 5th, 1967, five months before Reverend Martin Luther King was killed. He preached a sermon. You should go on, on YouTube and listen to this sermon. It's called, but if not, he preaches on this passage. I'm not going to say his sermon is better than mine, but you should listen to it. (laughs) Don't listen to mine after you listen to his. In that sermon, he describes what he called if faith and through faith. If faith and through faith. Here's what he says. There's what you would call if faith and through faith. If faith says, if all goes well, if life is hopeful, prosperous, and happy, If I don't have to go to jail, if I don't have to face the agonies and burdens of life, if I'm never called bad names because of taking a stand that I believe I must take, if none of those things happen, then I will have faith in God. That's if faith. That's a contract. Contract is if you do this, then I will do that. If you do what I've asked you to do, then I will serve you, right? He said, and then there's through faith. You see, through faith says this. Actually, I said through faith. It's though faith. Though faith. Though things go wrong, somebody, though things go wrong, though evil is temporarily triumphant, though sickness comes and and the cross looms, nevertheless, I will have faith anyway. 
Though the waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, the Lord of hosts is with us and the God of Jacob is our refuge. Though faith says, look, I'm with you even if the outcome is not the way that I want it to be. That Job, remember Job said, though he slay me, yet will I love him. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The three Hebrew children said, though he may not deliver us, we will still not bow down. How could they do that? What gives you though faith? What gives you the kind of faith that says, look, I don't even know how the outcome is going to be, but I'm still committed to God. What gives you that? I'm going to tell you what gives you that. What gives you that is an understanding that God is with you even in the midst of the fiery furnace. Even in people with no faith know that the outcome is less important than the quality of the relationship in the midst of the pain. Stick with me for a minute. What David knew, he said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And you remember what he said after that? For thou art with me. Do you understand? He said, you are with me in the valley of the shadow of death. He didn't say, I will avoid the valley of the shadow of the death because you are with me. Or if I don't have to go to the valley of the shadow of death, then I will serve you. He said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Right? Job, Job knew that God was with him in the midst of his suffering. That's why he said, though he slay me, yet will I love him. The three Hebrew children had an insight that I want all of us to get as we, as we wrap up this, this celebration today. I want us to understand that even in the midst of your pain, especially in the midst of your pain, God is with you. Amen. Look at this. I'm going to read this last, last part of this, this story. Look at this. Here's, all, here, here's how you know. Daniel 3, 24. King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire. We threw, it was Shadrach, Meshach, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's three, right? They replied, yes, that's correct, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire unbound and unharmed. And the fourth man looks like a son of the gods. Do you understand what's happening here? This is not just a story about their faith in God. This is a story about God's faithfulness to them. This is a story about the nature of God who will be with you in the flames, who will be with you in the valley of the shadow of death, who will be with you when you're feeling the heat. That's why we commit to him, not because he gives us the outcome that we want, but because he is with us in the very midst of the hardest times in our lives. He is with us. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come out here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps, prefects, governors, royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. I want us to celebrate today, not just our faithfulness to God. And I, I, I want to just pause right there and say, 
the, we have an amazing dream team. We have a staff that will just knock your socks off. We have a, a group of people that are here serving every single day. This whole church is supported and strengthened by the, by the people who come and serve here. It's just incredible. But really, our church is undergirded not just by our faithful service, but by God's faithfulness to us. By God's faithfulness to us. I'm going to close with this. You can come help me here. I, I listened to, I listened to uh, a story of a testimony that I, that I didn't really know that well. And, and the testimony was by um, a man in uh, St. Louis who had really, really hit some incredibly hard times. He really ended up in the furnace of life. His name's Brian. Brian uh, had struggled throughout his life with all kinds of drugs and alcohol and, and addiction and all kinds of stuff. He had suffered as a young person a lot, all kinds of abuse, physical, emotional, sexual abuse, every kind of abuse. Just, and in, in order to try, sort of like self-medicate, he got addicted to drugs and alcohol and just, just tore up his life. His life really began to go downhill. Lost his wife, lost his job, lost his house. And just was falling apart. And he got to a point where he was so lost, so messed up. He said his life was total destruction. That he ended up sitting on a, like under a viaduct over here on Page Avenue and drinking. And he kind of doesn't remember exactly what happened, but he ended up on top of the overpass and jumped off of the overpass down onto Page Avenue. Just, just desperate. The first car that came and skidded up to him was a police car. And the police car got him and, and they got the ambulance out and he was, he was okay. They took him to DePaul Hospital and he ended up in, a, in the psych ward and ended up in, a, in, a, um, in an area there that there was, you know, detox and all that kind of stuff. And he came out of there this is, this, is, this is pretty intense. He came out of there and he ended up at a place down in North St. Louis called Stepping Into the Light Ministries. Some of you know where this is going. Uh, ended up at Stepping Into the Light Ministries where we broadcast our services. And during that time at Stepping Into the Light Ministries, God got a hold of his heart. God got a hold of his heart and began to change him, transform him. Sometimes we actually find God in the fire. Sometimes we got thrown in the fire because of crazy stuff that we've been doing. And we end up in the fire and suddenly we find God for the first time while in the fiery furnace. Brian found God in the fiery furnace of his life that was just consuming him, right? During COVID, when we're doing Zoom, during, you know, a Zoom uh, membership classes, no fried chicken at that class, just Zoom unless you cooked your own. Uh, Brian became a member of One Family Church. And Brian and I connected this week because I hadn't put all this story together and we started talking. Uh, became a member of One Family Church. And just, just, just I don't want to put too fine a point on it, but Brian is back there running the soundboard right now. Brian Wedding.
so I just say that to say this. It, I love celebrating. You know, I like partying. I like, I love it. I'm so thankful for the buildings that God has provided and all the cool things that are happening. But what we're about here is bringing people and God together in love. One story like that makes 10 years of ministry feel like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And there's a lot of those stories. But what I want to tell you is this. We serve a God who is going to meet you in the fire. He's going to meet you in the fire. He's going to meet you when you put yourself in the fire. He's going to meet you in the fire when you, when you end up in the fire because of your righteousness and when you end up in the fire because of your unrighteousness. And when you end up in the fire, neither because of your righteousness or unrighteousness, just because you're a human being and the fire is all around you. God is with you in the fire. And so today, I want to leave you with this as we celebrate. You serve a God who is able to deliver you. And you serve a God who will deliver you. But even if he does not, he is with you in the fire. He is with you in the flames. Let's celebrate that God today. Let me pray for you and we'll close. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your faithfulness to One Family Church. Thank you for your faithfulness to each and every one of us. Thank you that you are a God who is not absent in our suffering and in our pain. You are with us even in the midst of the challenges and hardships, difficulties we face. You're with us, Lord God, at all times, in the good and in the bad. And we put our trust in you today. God, we trust today in who you are. We trust in your power. We trust in your character. And God, we commit our hearts, our souls, our lives, our minds to you. And God, as we celebrate you today, God, we just ask that each and every one of us would pour ourselves into serving you and loving you and bringing real transformation, Lord, to this city. We pray that, that, that the people of St. Louis would, like Nebuchadnezzar, say, my God, they serve an amazing God. And I want to worship him and to that God be praised. We pray, Lord God, that each and every person we touch would draw closer to you and closer to one another in love. And God, we thank you for your, your 10 years of faithfulness to One Family Church. We give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, 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 everybody, amen.